1: So, start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on slash people today. One of the big questions is what is money?
2: Practical purposes, it exists in a series of heterogeneous databases, very
0: different databases. Do you
1: believe in crypto?
2: Digital currency may be an answer, but it is the highly
0: speculative asset. I do own Bitcoin.
2: There is no second best. Welcome to the Crypto Curious podcast, proudly brought to you by the Bamboo app. Crypto Curious is your go-to source for all things cryptocurrency. Whether you're a seasoned pro or new to the world of crypto, we've got you covered. Each week, we'll break down the top news stories of the past seven days, giving you the information you need to stay on top of the latest trends and developments. Plus, we'll share quick bites of news and insights that you won't want to miss. If you're new to crypto, we recommend starting in our early episodes where we break down the basics and give you a solid foundation to understand the crypto world. Join us as we explore the ever-evolving world of cryptocurrency and educate ourselves along the way. Let's dive in together and discover the exciting potential of crypto. In this week's episode, we'll bring you a market update and talk about the recent pullback. We'll touch on Gary Gensler and Congress's big fight and why it's Important for all of us. Plus, news around FTX exchange 2.0, and a look at some deeper numbers around the NFT market. My name's Tracy, and this week the podcast threesome has turned into a twosome as we're missing a Perma Bull Craig, who's having a day off. It's just me and Blake today. Hey, Blake, how are you going?
1: Trace, how are you?
2: Very well. No Craig today, so it's just us, which is fitting because we're going to have a chat about the market. And we don't have Craig, who's always bullish. So, yeah, let's get into it. We had a bit of a pullback in the market last week, and at time of recording right now, Bitcoin's down eight percent, and F's down twelve percent. And normally, when we see a pullback like this, there's usually a reason, um, and we can line it up with maybe the Nasdaq and the S and P also having a bit of a pullback, also. But this one seems to be confined just to crypto. So we're not entirely sure uh, what's caused this sell-off, which means it can be a few different things. But what we do know is that a bunch of liquidations did occur, didn't they?
1: Yeah. You know, there was a sharp price drop in the last week, which resulted in about $250 million in liquidations across the entire crypto market uh, over 24 hours. A majority of this was um, on Bitcoin, Ethereum, Dogecoin and Ripple trades, um, which accounted for about 40% of the total liquidations. But it's a lot of money just for a small drop and it just shows that, you know, a lot of people were really bullish, had leveraged long positions on uh, and got wiped out and wasn't expecting the market to turn around as quickly as it did.
2: Uh, You had a little look today at Craig's uh, fear and greed index and we're sitting at 53. It did go as high as 68 in the last couple of weeks. So I wondered whether – because people talk about you need to – what is it? What's the saying? You need to be greedy when people, people are, are fearful. fearful, and fearful, and others are greedy. greedy. So potentially, people were seeing that you know people are getting a little bit greedy and a bit euphoric. So that might have helped with the, with the sell off potentially. I don't know. Do you, you think that could have been part of it?
1: Yeah, you know, all these indicators add to you know creating perception around what the market's doing, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. And what are your thoughts though? Where do you feel that the market's sitting right now? Not financial advice, obviously.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, we've had an amazing run this year. Um, Bitcoin was up for 85, 90% at one point in time. Bitcoin just can't go up forever. No, no. <laughs> you know, it needs to cool off at some point in time. And, you know, a lot of people saying that this is a potentially a summer lull, uh, you know, for the Northern Hemisphere listeners. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh,
1: <laughs> and, uh, you know, the price action is going to chill out for a little bit, you know. Um, but, both scenarios are possible. The fear and greed index is sitting neutral, so who knows?
2: Okay, well, regardless of our thoughts on the matter, we won't come close to any highs or previous bull markets uh, until we can get institutional money coming into that market. And I think regulatory uncertainty and banking and insurance issues and some of those things you out- outlined in last week's episode, those are the ones that are keeping those institutions out of the market. It's a sticking point for many countries that they're struggling with at the moment. But some good news there, the European market put in place last week some um, structure around their regulation, right, with the MICA.
1: Yeah, exactly right. It's really great to see that such a mature marketplace um, like the European Union has put in place some um, regulation around crypto that's going to be implemented in 2025. And I really think uh, that just shows how organised they are yeah. and how serious they take this in order to set up a framework to bring stability to the marketplace.
2: It does seem far away though, 2025. That just means that, look, this is our guideline. This is what we want to do, but it's going to take us a while to get there. Mm,
1: as well as that, it's going to take, uh, you know, potentially businesses that currently potentially wouldn't be compliant mm. um, with those regulations to uh, have a chance to know, change, have a chance to set themselves up for success in that new regulatory landscape. Um, so, you know, often what happens when new regulation comes in is there is a 12, 24 or 36 month Lead, lead way. Yeah.
2: So moving on to our first story now that we're going to cover, forget Tank and Garcia, which was the big fight of last week. We had another big fight last week, which was Congress and Gary Ginsler. So this one was quite entertaining. Let me explain a little bit further, but it was Gary Ginsler, it was the SEC chair and he was up against US Congress. The reason for the meeting was to see just how the SEC regulates the crypto industry. And apparently it's not too well. So Blake, you really across this last week. Can you tell us first why this is important for the broader broader crypto community like us over here in Australia and exactly what happened.
1: Yeah, this was, a, I think, about a five-hour hearing. I'd skimmed through it and watched many different sections. And it wasn't just about crypto. It was about how the SEC is regulating all sorts of um, your sub-industries or financial industries such as real estate. Um, but crypto was a dominant topic in the, in the um, congressional hearing. The first thing that... Congress and Senators quizzed Gensler on is whether or not ethereum um, is a security and this has been a long talked about topic the SEC early on came out early like a few years ago came out and said that ethereum wasn't a security now Gensler the new chairman of the SEC has you know brought this back into the mix he wasn't able to answer the question um, and then he was also saying things like um, you know there is lots of clarity in the marketplace and from regulators about you know how to navigate crypto products, you know, with respect to the regulation. But then on the other hand, he couldn't even answer a simple question yeah. about, you know, what is Ethereum a security? So, you know, sending mixed messages there and it just felt really sloppy and and a bit unprofessional. It just felt, it, it, it was the quite strange. The whole thing was
2: very unclear. It
1: was, yeah, it was very, very strange. Um, and, you know, he, Gensler cited the fact that, uh, you know, it depends on the facts of the law, whether or not Ethereum is a, a security or not, which has massive wide Implications. You know, if Ethereum's a security, then all that crypto exchanges. Um, become security exchanges. Um, they've been, you know, mm. breaking the law because they don't have a capital mm-hmm. markets license, for example, or, you know, we've all been buying and trading un- unregistered securities, which would be, you know, mm. everyone that's ever bought and sold Ethereum um, could have been doing it, uh, you know, not in accordance with the law. So it has very, very wide-ranging implications and whatever, you know, the SEC uh, decides on, uh, you know, would filter down into other jurisdictions as well. So don't think about it like it's just you know what uh, America decides. You know uh, Australia or you know the UK or Canada or or you know many other countries just follow suit on how um, how America treats it legally because you know America is a dominant economy.
2: So it's important for us to take note. Mm. Did you feel though when that that particular one about Ethereum when you were watching that? Did you note the fact that he said when he's asking those questions, I just asked you that in my chambers. You knew this was coming. Mm. But he clearly was in a rock and a hard place. He couldn't answer it. Like he knew what the question was and he he had to sidestep it. He knew – he didn't want to answer no. the question. Um, it was a dance being done. You know,
1: you know, Ethereum's been around since 2016 now. What's that, like you know, seven years? And yep. they really should have a very clear position on this because the asset is widely held by the public. Um, but it's pretty ridiculous. At the and
2: way. even though in February he'd said that all tokens aside from Bitcoin – securities. Mm, yep,
1: yeah. it, it seems they don't want to draw clear lines in the sand. A um, fear of being sued. Mm. Um, they, mm. They're kind of dancing in the grey area, and this is making it very hard for markets to operate. Uh, and like you said, Trace, it's um, you know institutional investors uh, not really going to want to come into the market while there's this uncertainty.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll bring bring that on to our next point. He's saying here as well that he thinks all crypto laws are clear. Um, even though everyone else is saying otherwise. But he thinks that uh, the tradfied rules uh, can work for crypto as well.
1: TradFi is traditional finance. Traditional laws. finance. So what they want to do is kind of package up crypto and use the securities laws or um, the CFTC, um, the commodities trading laws to cover off all of crypto. But the industry is saying, hey, um, we – don't know what's going on it's you know it's sporadic behavior from the SEC about serving like for example mm-hmm. notices on different companies for trading unregistered securities yep. uh, so yeah lots of confusion in the marketplace uh, and this is pretty concerning when this chair of the SEC the regulator mm. is saying it's clear and everyone else is saying it's not um, you know
2: well, point in cases is, is coinbase as well they you know they were trying to do the right thing spending all their time and effort making sure they were complying mm. only to have them turn around and have a Wells notice.
1: Yeah, served on them, yeah.
2: Served on them. And that was also in the news this week that they were looking to go offshore now.
1: Mm, Yeah, um, exactly. Purely for this reason. So also in the hearing, Gensler said he's all for a new regulatory framework for stablecoins. One senator asked if he'd support Congress in drafting this up. He said yes, only if the SEC and CFTC could still crack down on fraud. And of course, you know, the SEC and CFTC should still be able to crack down on fraud. So I don't really understand that comment at all. But, um, you know, this just brings the previously agreed upon positions from the regulators back into disrepute um, if they're going to change it. And, you know, the landscape does change. Um, The technology evolves in its use cases. And I think that, you know, the regulators should review the lines that they've previously drawn in the sand uh, because, you know, things change. Mm. Um, You know, this thing's in flux. It's continuously evolving. There's so much innovation happening. It should be uh, under constant review, um, but also uh, what they're doing should be very clear.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think they also said, too, Gary has never actually owned um, any – Bitcoin or, or crypto himself. That was quite funny when that popped up.
1: Yeah. He said he uh, used to teach blockchain yeah. at, at one of the universities in the US. Uh, however, he has never owned any Bitcoin. Um, so, yeah, it'd be good if, uh, you know, he'd he'd at least experimented with it. He'd used Tried it. to
2: set up a MetaMask wallet or at least dabbled in in something. Um, yeah, exactly. Use right. one of the exchanges. Yeah.
1: yeah. So that's a bit of a shame. Yeah. Anyway.
2: Yeah. And just to just round things out on that, it was interesting to know that um, he's actually trying to be oust as well. But I was saying to Blake earlier that we were all excited when he was put into that position because he had some background in crypto. Um, like you mentioned, then he would taught a blockchain course, but uh, obviously it didn't work out mm. for us in the end. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So more to come on this story. Um, And still, this is bringing substantial amounts of instability uh, in the marketplace in the US, particularly, Uh, Mm. you know, companies and organizations don't know how to navigate the sector, finding it very, very challenging and scared that they're going to be sued um, because of unclear guidelines. So hopefully the US sorts this out. And it's not just, you know, the single regulator, but the regulators are fighting each other, the CFTC and the SEC. So, yeah, it's a bit of a shit show, really. Yeah,
2: there you go. Well, let's see how it goes. I'm sure it's going to be an ongoing battle. On to our next story. It's been a good while since we've had an FTX story and the silence has been nice, to be honest. But would you believe FTX says it may restart its collapsed crypto exchange. Even as founder SBF faces criminal and civil charges, FTX's new CEO only now five months later is looking for the possibility to start up the exchange again. The FTX attorney said just this week that they're starting to think about its future, something many did not think it would have. And they're in the process of a possible negotiation about rebooting the exchange with stakeholders. The decision is expected as soon as June. Uh, he said, and I quote, the situation has stabilised and the dumpster fire is out. Very <laughs> yep. eloquently put because it absolutely was a dumpster fire. What are you thinking, Blaine? Uh,
1: yeah, it's pretty interesting, of course. Yep. Uh, I think that, yeah, if they've recovered all the creditor funds as well as a surplus, uh, it would make sense that the administrator or the new CEO comes in and, and restarts our business.
2: Before we go any further, are you surprised that they've recovered enough funds to do
1: this, well, yeah, you know, the thesis was that there was embezzlement. There, was, yeah. you know, funds moved sideways. There were funds siphoned off.
2: There was funds um, stolen, yeah, like there you know, funds it stolen, was stolen. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I think there's definitely more to uncover here about mm. how much of the funds are actually missing. Mm. Um, you know, there was clearly a lot of mismanagement down at um, FTX, but um, yeah, you know, we don't know how much of credit funds were actually stolen. But
2: like you said, if 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 they can get them their money back and they've got enough money to start this up again, then...
1: Yeah, you know that's in the interest of shareholders. Uh, you know, mm. I don't know who, who, what the share, what the cap table of um, FTX is like, uh, but certainly in the interest of investors. And kind of leading on from that, uh, venture firm Tribe Capital, based in uh, Silicon Valley, uh, has considered deploying a hundred million dollars from itself uh, and its LPs to lead a two hundred fifty million dollar capital raise uh, to relaunch the FTX exchange. So the co-founder. Uh, Apparently met with FTX's committee of unsecured creditors to discuss the proposal, and the new CEO of FTX aims to have a decision made by the matter in Q2 this year. So, TribeCap is an incredibly successful venture capital firm. We've gone through due diligence with them. They, you know, they use a um, you know data science model to assess their investments, uh, and they've got more you know private company data than any other venture capital firm in um, in Silicon Valley. They claim. Uh, they, uh, you know, major shareholders in platforms like Kraken and Digital Currency Group, um, and you know, share many of the board members and LPs with those early conglomerates in the crypto industry. Uh, so, yeah, if anyone's going to get them up and, and be successful, I have no doubt that Trove cap um, would, would be able to do that. Yeah, it's
2: big news. So here we are talking favourably about FTX, but I suppose. As a new CEO, the bad actors have been removed um, and I was saying um, off mic to Blake that... In a trading group that I'm in, there was a, a bunch of a bunch of people who actually had lost money um, who are hopefully having that money returned to them and we were talking about this in the group about the potential of an FTX exchange and I personally was expecting them to be um, not too favourable to this but they were all, you know, expressing the fact that they'd be happy to jump back on um, an FTX exchange. Wow, which so is, the
1: traders looking to get back onto the platform yeah. and support it. You know, the the product was great. I used it. Mm. I used you, 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 it. User experience yeah. was awesome, yep. uh, you know. And as a result of this news, the FTT token saw about seventy percent. So last, last week. Wednesday, yeah, yeah before, <laughs> before uh, so it was trading I think a dollar thirty. And by midday Thursday, um, you know, last week, uh, the price had jumped to two twenty three. So, you a know, massive jump there in anticipation for a you know, successful relaunch of uh, the FTX platform.
2: Interesting. I'm sure they'll be doing things. Regulation-wise, by the book next time. So we'll see how that one goes. Moving on to our next story, the NFT market continues to trend downwards. Unfortunately, it's been a bit of a death spiral since two thousand and twenty-two. And according to data from C-Launch on June Analytics, there are now only eight thousand daily users or wallets actively trading NFTs. So that is down a lot. That's pretty dire. I must admit. Those numbers really do surprise me. So, the top collection on OpenSea, as always, is Board 8 Yacht Club, has gone from 422,000 down to 76K. So, that is a huge drop.
1: Mm, yeah, massive.
2: <laughs> it is massive.
1: Uh, well, th- when But with these early stage technologies, you're going to see tremendous growth and tremendous drawbacks, and these cycles will roll through till the technology matures. And mm-hmm. you know, it could be a decade or more before this technology matures. So Mm. uh, much more volatility to come, ladies and gentlemen. Mm.
2: But what's also become obvious in this is a bit of wash trading. Um, A lot of these assets apparently uh, were doing a bit of wash trading in 2022. Do you want to explain to our listeners what wash trading is, Blake?
1: There's really two types of wash trading. Um, You know, there's the firstly when you want to obfuscate your transactions to hide where your Um, crypto has been and and where it's going and you'll use a mixer and tornado cash is one that we've um, reported on here at the crypto curious about people using that to obfuscate you know their transactions and where their money's been and, and going in case they're doing you know nefarious activities um, but, you know, you can also do this by trading NFTs. So, for example, listing your NFT on one of the NFT marketplaces and buying and selling it between, you know, many of your own different wallets um, at inflated prices mm-hmm. um, and then, yeah. you know, obfuscating your transactions that way and then as well hopefully potentially selling um, your your NFT to a third party at an inflated price. So, yeah, there's lots of this going on on these platforms mm-hmm. like um, OpenSea uh, and, and other NFT. Platforms, which obviously, uh, you know, inflates uh, the the trading data um, and how many people are actually using the platform. So, you mm. know, potentially, a lot of that has come off um, since you know the NFT prices have had a had a major pullback, uh, and there's there's definitely you know not as much of that going on.
2: Yeah, absolutely. But like anything, times have changed and there's been a real shift with NFTs and people expect more. And there's been projects like um, Starbucks and um, Reddit and Nike that we've spoken about in the past. And they're doing things a little bit differently. They've got a different approach and how they deal with um, their communities. uh, And they're really going out of their way to build, I think, a community and do things differently with their projects. They're they're focused on low cost and um, wider access and I think a really deeper community engagement. So – and we've actually – we're going to speak a little bit later about what's what's happening with Nike. But I think when you've got those longer-lasting community deeper feels, that's a better project that you're going to be – you know, it's just longer-lasting.
1: Yeah, speaking of Nike Trace, months after debuting the Swoosh Web3 community platform, Nike is launching a – its first sneaker NFT drop on the platform. So the Air Force One collection consists of hundreds of thousands of virtual pairs of the brand's iconic Air Force One sneakers. So all eyes on this as it rolls out, and I think this is this is going to get a lot of attention. There's a lot of diehard enthusiasts that love, percent,
2: love, 100%. love the you know
1: love Air Force Ones, and if they could get you know a digital pair to have you know, them as their their profile picture and their chat rooms and, and these sorts of things. I think it's really um an attractive product for people.
2: Yeah, exactly. They're doing it the right way, Nike. It's time to take a break there, folks, and when we come back, our short, sharp News Bites. Millions of people have lost
0: weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds.
2: Welcome back. You're listening to the Crypto Curious Podcast and we'll jump straight in today to our short, sharp news bites. And Blake, you're up first.
1: Yeah, so during a conference in the UK earlier this week, uh, Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong um, stated that the company may consider relocating its headquarters outside of the US if it doesn't change its approach to crypto regulation. And, you know, Brian's been a massive advocate flying out to DC just to meet with senators in order to get them up to speed about, you know, best practices and potentially how to regulate the sector. So the UK um, is an important market for Coinbase as it's second only to the US in terms of revenue generation for the company. And as U.S. companies face regulatory uncertainty, Coinbase is considering the U.K. because um, Coinbase generates quite a lot of revenue from the U.K. market. Uh, and as U.S. companies face regulatory uncertainty, uh, you know Coinbase is trying to find uh, reliable pathways, you know, which is really interesting. And I think today as well, Gemini, another major exchange uh, in the U.S., is also announced that they're going to consider going down the same path. Which are two incredibly big businesses that, um, you know, the American people should be proud of as, you know, taxpayers mm. uh, and, you know, as innovators in the sector being pushed offshore. And, you know, I think this will be um, a really great threat to, in order to, for regulators to take this seriously, um, even if they just continue to go down this pathway, it might scare uh, regulators enough to um, start, you know, being a bit more sensible in the way that they approach this uh, yeah, issue.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. A hacker has stolen 10 million in Ethereum and no one knows how. This hacker has been targeting OG crypto users since December, draining their wallets and leaving them none the wiser on how this has happened. So this one is not an obvious scam and it's very, very sophisticated and the scary thing is no one knows how this has happened. Mm. So, And they're targeting people who are OGs in the space, have been around for a long time, who you would think have – some pretty good um, security systems going on. All the in, uh, the current investigators are saying that the specific attack, attack is pointing towards the user's secret recovery phase mm. being compromised somewhere, which means that they perhaps have it written in their computer mm. at, on a save somewhere somehow. But they're targeting people that have a fair bit of crypto but have been around for a while, you know, perhaps have mm. – it's pretty scary. Yeah. This is pretty scary, this one.
1: You know, another un- an untraceable way that uh, hackers can try to take people's, um, you know, uh, recovery seeds. So when you set up a cold storage device, you'll receive tw- 12 or 24 words, um, which is like your backup password. Mm-hmm. So if you do lose your USB device that you store your crypto on, you can go back and recover all your crypto. Um, you know, there are... Uh, machines to brute force these 12-word combinations. Mm -hmm. So, for example, people will set up a a GPU or a a very powerful computer uh, for, say, weeks or months just trying different combinations of five-letter words Mm -hmm. um, to see if they can crack it, you know. Mm -hmm. So if – the, your hacker has a portion of their seed or has an idea of potentially what it could be, mm-hmm. um, then it gives them a, a bit of a front run um, to to have a crack at brute forcing.
2: Yeah. You see, if you're out there and you're listening, you've been around for a long time and you've held stuff and it's really old, it might be time to go back and even just check and move things around or uh, take a second look as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's always important to test your seed recovery. Exactly. Uh, you know, set up mm. new wallets.
2: I recently uh, did a mine with Metamask just to mm, be sure. and it's make a bit sure. scary doing. I know. But... It is, but it's worth doing. Be safe, absolutely.
1: For sure. All right, so next up uh, is the Bitcoin halvening. We're 12 months away now. Exciting. Yeah, Bitcoin halvening has generally been the catalyst to a bull run um, in the crypto sector. Uh, It's been, you know, what are we in, 18 months of a bear market now? Longer. Yeah, typically the price action won't pick up until much closer to the event. However, historically, you know, we've seen lots of growth post that event and it's really due to the supply and demand dynamics of the your interest rate or the inflation rate of Bitcoin um, reducing. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how this one plays out and if it follows the four-year cycles that we've seen um, in the past.
2: Exciting. What's up next? The team behind Pepe, the little green frog that's been popping up the last few weeks, which is ridiculous, has the team has declared that the dog days are over while branding Pepe the most memeable meme coin in existence. <laughs> cough, cough, bullshit, bullshit. But anyway, the, the token was launched on April 17th, and has been rallying ever since. In less than a week, Pepe ascended to the market cap of $137 I know, what is going on here? Following the explosive price rise, this token with a green frog uh, and a humanoid body has turned early investors into millionaires. Um, However, realising the profits won't be as easy because there's going to be Big liquidation issues. We talked about this yesterday and you mentioned the guy that put in $27, which is now worth like $1 million. But as we said, it's going to be really hard to get that million dollars out of there.
1: Mm. What we mean by that with liquidity is that, you know, just because the price goes up, it doesn't mean that – the, there's the ability to sell because, yep. you know, there's only, there's only the ability to sell if someone else is willing to buy. You know, if there's not many more buyers um, and people can see that, you know, this is maybe run as Dash, mm. uh, then, you know, the price is uh, c- going to see negative appreciation.
2: And if you do go back and listen to our earlier episodes that I've mentioned before, which teaches you a little bit about Bitcoin, Ethereum and altcoins, and there's an episode there about shitcoins, then this is kind of what we mean when people in the industry, and there's buzzwords that we all talk about in crypto and, and shitcoins, for lack of a better word, this is what we mean by those types of coins, unfortunately. So anyway, there you go, Pepe. <laughs> What's
1: up next? Cool. And finally, we have seen a report uh, over the last week uh, that stated that more Twitter users are gravitating towards (laughs) pornographic material as well as cryptocurrency-related content on the site, and really shunning away from other topics such as uh, favoured by advertisers, uh, like you know, influencers.
2: Shying away from stuff like sports and like foods and mm. and other yeah. topics. So I don't know if we want to be pushed in with does crypto really want to be pushed in with porn? But anyway.
1: Yeah, we'll probably finish on that trick. <laughs>
2: Okay, there you go. Um, Again, that's our last one for today, folks. Thanks for uh, staying back and listening all the way to the end. But that is the news for this week. Hopefully you'll hang back and listen again next week. If you've got anything that you think we've missed this week, a story that you like that we didn't cover off, then please send us an email at podcast at getbamboo.io or join us in the Facebook group, the Crypto Curious Facebook group. Um, please make sure that you are hitting the subscribe button. So this is coming to you each week on a Wednesday. And that's it signing off. Just Blake and
0: Trace today. Craig will be back with us next week. Bye for now. Bye See for now. Cryptocurious is a product of Equitymates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equitymates Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Crypto Curious are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Mates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act of 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Crypto Curious acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.